Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacey.com for information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours as well as what the Blue Badge Guiding Qualification is all about. Hello. Well, hey, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Very well. What a difference a week makes, eh? The I weather. Know. It's absolutely <laughs> torrential. <laughs> The rain today is horrible. We're recording this on Monday and the rain is filthy. Soggy, isn't it? Absolutely filthy. I thought that I'd said goodbye to my jumpers and going out with a jacket, but no. No such luck. It's an English weather, English English summer. You should know by now. We've had had enough practice at it, haven't we? (laughs) Not good, but I have had a look and I think the warm weather is coming back in about a week and a half. Oh, okay. Is that on your on your say so? Yeah, <laughs> fingers massively crossed. I love it. Uh, well, let's hope so. I'm hoping it's gonna. Yeah, I think today and tomorrow, and then I think it's so looking like it's supposed to be a little bit better after that. Oh God, I hope so. Gosh, how British are we? Starting an entire podcast with talk about talk about the weather. Weather. <laughs> Please don't switch off. <laughs> how have you been this week? Yeah, I've been good. I have how's been your good. How's your little lady who London's? How is she coming along? She is good. She, her little personality is really starting to come out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I was saying to Alex before we recorded the pod that she has really found her voice. Yeah. <laughs> which is exciting. Literally reaching, and metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, reaching highs that are just like, whoa, God, you know, hide the glass. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, it's quite loud. Brilliant. <laughs> but, all good we took her to see a few family members at the weekend we did um a kind of a car journey of about two hours there two hours back and we thought god how's this going to go but but she was good she Yay. was good she handled it so <laughs> amazing oh good well i'm glad she's well i'm glad she's well and you're dealing with it all right yeah i'm all right yeah. i keep having people say to me i'm surprised emily's gone straight back into the podcast i'm like yeah let's see how long it lasts she'll need a break no, at some it's, point it's really <laughs> lovely like having a purpose to do a bit of research and 
you know, and I, I love our little weekly get-togethers, Alex. Yeah. So, yeah, it's keeping me going. And she's she's asleep at the moment. She's right by my side. She's very cosy and content. So, She was yeah. very good when I saw her last week. She was very well behaved. Oh, yes, yeah, she had an Alex Lacey cuddle, didn't she? She did. There was no squealing or anything. <laughs> babies normally hate me, but yeah. <laughs> oh, no, she loved you. She really yeah. did. Fabulous. Well, uh, this week, welcome back to Ladies Who London podcast, everybody. Um, we Last week, what did we talk about? We spoke about Beatrix Potter. We did. Loved it. Loved it. Like I said last week, really fantastic. Fant- Fantastic, fast, fast Um, really fascinating and fantastic to find out a bit more about somebody whose books I loved so much when I was a little girl. I really loved them. Um, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, we had some comments. Um, yeah, I still haven't watched Miss Potter, which I, I watched it years ago. I don't, but I don't remember. I've got a terrible memory. I don't remember these things, so um, I will have to watch it again. Mm. Um, and have you been reading your book, Isabella Bird? I haven't cracked into it yet. I've not had much time mm. this week. It's been, I don't, where does the time go? Where does the time go? But I'm hoping this week, I haven't got much on this week, so I'm hoping I can spend a little bit of time. Apart from uh, your birthday. Yeah, well. Yes, <laughs> 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 it's, it's Alex's birthday week, everybody. I don't know yeah. if she wanted me to, to put it out there, but it's out there now. <laughs> right, I'll edit like this to send any, um, <laughs> any presents or cards or anything. Her address is... Um, send them send them care of you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. You give us a written review for Alex's birthday. That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll I'll take uh I'll take two five star TripAdvisor reviews from everybody. Thank you. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I've got yeah, it's mo- mostly kind of birthdayish stuff this week, but bits and pieces. Um, so I might try and crack into the book uh, soon. I, the plan was to try and sit and read it this week, and then just like life takes over, doesn't it? And you go, oh, I've got that to do. Oh, and that. Oh, and that. It really does. Um, but anyway. Uh, yes, I will. I will crack into that. So we need to clear up podcast pedestal from last week, don't we? Can you remind uh, everybody what the options were? So at the end of the Beatrix Potter episode, we picked our favourite two kind of crux points of the story or important bits and asked you to vote on them to battle them out for this week. So what were they? So you went for... Uh, the nanny. So when Beatrix was growing up in Kensington, she had a nanny who basically um, kind of um, pushed her to go into her own imagination and come up with stories, yeah. which uh, was a very good one. Thank you. And you went for uh, the letter, which she wrote to the, the sick boy, wasn't yes, it? Yes, and she didn't know what to write. So she decided to write a little story about a rabbit called Peter. Yeah. And she, she had a rabbit called Peter. Um, and this really sparked off her whole entire writing career. I think it was um, certainly um, the crux point. <laughs> you did the hard sell again. You always did the hard sell afterwards. It's hilarious. It's, un- it's unnecessary now. <laughs> but I know, I mean, you you can say this about me. Like, if I, if I think that your choice is much better, I will say it. Yes, even if you did get your boyfriend to vote for you. <laughs> I didn't get him to vote for me this week. I've just checked and he's he's given me a bit of a tick. Um, <laughs> and not one that requires an itch. Um, so I, I think that, um, I think my choice was better, but I think that you've won. Uh, well, the votes have gone 56% to 43. Oh, it's bloody close. It is pretty close. Um 
It's gone to, my, to me this time. Yay! Oh, God, I thought so. Because I did look at mine. I looked at ours as well. Oh, you, you've got to stop doing that. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm just intrigued. Um, You're in the element of surprise. <laughs> so, well done. I mean, Thank I guess, you. you know, it needed her imagination first and foremost to be able to sit down and write the story in the letter. So I guess that's pretty it's a, crux worthy. It's a moral win for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, so there we go. So, what does that make it in? So that makes it, Alex, uh, nineteen eighteen to you. Nineteen eighteen to me. Yes. So we're still, right. you know, it, we're still it, very close. We're very close. Know. Yes. I honestly thought you were going to shoot way ahead of me and and do kind of a a, a reverse Alex, which is. Uh... Oh no! I mean, we, you know, if we're dancing the conga, I'm literally just behind you. <laughs> Yeah, but the moon so. is great, so it's fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> so this week, um, we are heading over towards Clerkenwell. Uh, because we are. We span the wheel and it's Clerkenwell. And I love Clerkenwell. It's an area that we don't get to guide around too much, but when we do, it's a real treat because there are some absolute gems mm-hmm. in Clerkenwell. I think it's one of London's best-kept secrets, actually. It's an area that's full of little quirky bits of history and all kinds of stuff but i picked um the well what used to be very secret mail rail that goes under london now i say i say very secret because um it's less secret now that there's been a museum that opened up just a couple of years ago called the postal museum have you been I haven't, <gasps> but I have been virtually via your videos. Via my videos, yeah. I've been a couple of times. I, I really love it. I'm a, I'm a real sucker for nerdy, transporty, underground secret stuff like this. So when, I, I mean, I heard about the, the railway years ago. When I heard that the museum was happening, I think I went in the first week. It was so exciting. So I wanted to have a little look at the mail rail because not a lot of people know, it's not a lot of people know um, that it's there. And it's, uh, it, it's really, really fascinating. What do you know about it? Is there anything? I don't really know much about it at all, to be honest. Well, um, I've got the visual in my mind and it just, oh, I don't know. It, um, it conjures up all sorts of, uh, don't put this in, Alex. I'm <laughs> struggling here. Um, ask me again. Okay. Do you know, so do you know anything about it? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm leaving all of that in. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. That's too good. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so the mail rail. It, now, what's quite interesting is uh, mail has always been very important for, um, you know, especially the time when Brits are going around the world and, you know, creating these this empire and all this sort of stuff. Now, I'm not going to go into the pros and cons of the empire and, and let's say largely cons but what i am going to say is that you know uh, mail has always been very important because it's the way of being able to communicate uh, at long distances you know of course before um telephones and even telegraphs and things like that mail was a big big deal and especially even just around the country getting word from you know if, if you think back to battles and this that and the other the the kings on battlefields would have messengers who they would give a message to and that messenger would just ride hell for leather across the countryside Mm -hmm. to get the message back to the homeland that they'd lost or they'd won or whatever it might be um 
because there's no other way of doing it. So they just had to just set out and go for it. Uh, and so we kind of see this development of mail, which is used to convey firstly important information and then, you know, letters and, and, and news and all this sort of stuff. And mail originally used to be done with carriages and horses coming across the countryside particularly you sort of think about these um mail carriages that are, are kind of coming through all the you know from Corn- cornwall across the country and, and up into london because of course london is in the southeast and it's it's the capital it's always been a hub for mail sorting and all this sort of thing but we start to see this changing a little bit as um the industrial revolution comes in and we get trains and steam power and all of this and carriages kind of stop doing the mail run across the country because it's not you know it's taking a long time um, it's not very profitable anymore and they switch to doing it in trains going across the country and have, have you ever seen you might have seen kind of old wild west movies where they uh, you've got the train sort of rocketing along the track and they get to this one point and they have to drop off a sack of mail and and rather than stop and drop it off they just keep going and there's a sort of like a, a boom arm that's stuck out and it 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 catches with the net and it catches a a bag of mail that that is going from the train or equally um the mail the, the train will catch the bag of mail onto it as well so oh wow so they just literally chuck it out yeah i mean it's you don't even get somebody doing it necessarily you you get well actually you sort of do you need somebody on the train to, to sort it all but the, the bag would be hanging um on this boom arm and the train collects it or you hang the mail on the boom arm of the train and then it, it gets um, sort of caught on a hook and it goes into a a big um yeah like a sort of sack really um that you can oh, then right. which is really quite a clever way of doing it so this means that the mail starts to become faster and faster and faster and in london of course we need to get mail all over the city and it's a huge city but the problem we have is that it's being transported by um road all around the city roads are getting busier the carriages are getting larger they're making way for motor cars and suddenly we get up against huge amounts of congestion so we get to the mid 1800s uh, so the victorian era when you know it's the, the height of, of discovery and, and invention and all this kind of stuff and so we're going to get to the mail rail very shortly because this is Obviously, they decide that a railway is, is the best way to do it. But there is a, a thing that they trial and it goes on for about 15 years or so. It's not that long, um, which was a sort of a, a, a rail thing. It didn't quite go the same length as the mail rail we're going to talk about. What would you imagine would be the most sort of, uh, I, I guess, modern or crazy sort of way of, of of the Victorians thinking about how to how to, you know, get something through a tunnel, a small tunnel? What would you imagine? Oh, God. Well, to get something for a small tunnel. I mean, could you fit a horse down there? Nope. No, we're talking... Um, actually, some of these tunnels are only about 80 centimetres wide. So, no, definitely not. Oh, so maybe like... Um, I don't know. Are we bringing back the idea of carrier pigeons? Nope. Nope. Um, just give it to a little boy and hope for the best. <laughs> run, young man, run. Well, no, we're talking about Victorians. And they, you know the way that they... Lo- I always think that this is something that... If you've ever watched Chitty Chitty Bang Bang... Yes. The dad in it, Caractacus Potts, or Crackpot. Yes. You know how he just creates all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. I imagine this is something that he created. It was essentially um, a tunnel, a very small tunnel. It didn't run for very far, but it was one that you would put these little capsules in and they would use either a vacuum system or a massive fan at the end to basically just propel these carriages with mail along 
and myself. You're just like pinging it through the <laughs> through these tunnels, which either you've got this sort of you, you you have this kind of vacuum thing with a a fan at the end that is dragging the air through and therefore creating a vacuum and essentially sucking it along the length of this tube, or a massive fan that is turned on and pushing it through the tube. God, the amount of energy that it would have taken to um to to power that yeah with yeah, the fan yeah. going so yeah. sorry can you say how big was this tunnel well so they have? started out quite small they started out about 80 centimeters wide and then they got a little bit bigger um but realistically 80 centi- oh god bloody hell you definitely couldn't fit a horse down there no no absolutely not but what you could fit down there and this is what i think is absolutely hilarious and in the when they became slightly bigger um the only thing is they're, they're supposed to be carriages that you put mail on mail in and they, they look like a kind of almost a bit like a bobsleigh, you know, that sort of almost bullet-shaped thing. And you'd pop it in and it would fill it with mail and you'd sling it along this thing. Of course, some, a few daredevils decided it would be great to have a go in it. And occasionally you would get people who would hop into this thing and basically get propelled along this Oh, God, that is so scary. Because what if it suddenly just stopped halfway through? This is is what could sometimes happen if the vacuum went. The thing could stop and someone would have to crawl in and, like, grab the, the chariot and, like, Pull it with a with a rope or something. Wow! 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 The best thing is they, there's a story about a woman who got in there, crinoline and all. You know, those huge big skirts, and was propelled along the entire length and got out at the end. She was absolutely fine, and you know, barely increased her crinoline or something. Just hilarious. So Jesus. they are completely. They're trialing this, and they're thinking this is a really good way of getting uh, mail around. But it, it actually doesn't last very long, and then it folds. And even within you know 25 years, it's known as the secret uh, railway there. So we move on to the early 1900s and they've kind of tested this and they think, well, OK, maybe that's not quite going to work on a big scale, but it's a great idea. And so they decide that instead of having all of the mail go around the streets and, and create congestion, because, you know, a huge amount of mail coming in. We're talking about the Victorian era in post-industrial revolution. There's lots of mail going everywhere. You know, there's big business happening. And London is a big hub for all of these things going on, as well as the business. So they and think, even right. just, I guess, you know, connecting and communicating with family members, because yeah. obviously, you know, it's not like today where you can quickly ping a message over. But exactly. love letters to sweethearts and, yeah. you know, pen pals. All of that. And, uh, and you know, this is when we've had the uh, the first paid post, the penny post has come in. So mm-hmm. it means that people can now do this. And it's a, it's a lovely thing that people do. Um, and we're talking about the very early 1900s so also first world war so we're talking about mail going to the front to soldiers and back to family so there's an awful lot being shifted and so they think right well we need to get it off the roads so let's take that idea that we had and create an underground railway which is what they do and it's only about six and a half miles long so it's not huge okay. but it goes from paddington all the way to Whitechapel and it has about uh, I think it's about nine stations along the route and at each of the stations is a sorting office above so the stations are below ground as is the mail now the mail rail goes down about um, 21 meters which I think is about 70 feet something like that okay. so it's you know it's fairly down there um, the stations are a little bit higher so they're not on ground level but they are up a little bit from the level of the railway line and this is for two reasons firstly it means that you are slightly closer to the surface therefore easier to hoik all this stuff up but Mm -hmm. secondly these trains can run at up to um about 40 miles an hour 
oh, wow. at top speed. They probably wouldn't often be going quite that well. I don't actually know. They might have been. Um, but as they're coming in, they want to minimize the amount of time that they have in these stations to make sure that everything is running really quickly. So as you come to the station, the railway line goes up, which means that it automatically slows down. And as you leave, it then dips down again, which means you automatically speed up. Speed up. Yeah. Wow. And where it's stopping, I mean, are these stations that they created just for the postal service or are they actually stopping at stations that already exist? Well, they were stopping underneath big sorting um, stations. So like Mount Pleasant. So Mount Pleasant still exists, but most of them have gone. We'll, we'll come back to that in a second. But essentially, um, that um, it, it, it's a way of getting mail across uh the city and it could be done in under 30 minutes which is shaving literally hours off the time it takes to get the mail across london so this is a massive massive deal and it's really successful and it was open in 1927 uh, and always this was never this amazing kind of um hydraulic vacuum powered thing this was always an electric railway and it was always driverless. In fact, this is the first driverless train in the world. Oh, gosh. So even yeah. before the DLR. Wow. Not even before the DLR. Absolutely. So there's no drivers on. But what you do have is a huge um, cadre of staff who are working in the, um, the different sorting places. And when the trains come into the stations, they have a very, very short window of time to get the mail off and get the new bags of mail on before it then heads on uh, to the next station. So it's a really, really big um, amount of people that are, are, are required to make this work. And it would work. Now, this is what I find quite funny. It would work for 22 hours a day. I don't know why it didn't work for 24. Just 22 hours a day. There's two hours where the, obviously the, the actual rail needs a, ra- a rest. I don't know. Yeah, um, especially because if it's not, if you don't have a driver. Yeah, it's a weird, weird time, isn't it? 22, 22 hours, hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> just really bizarre um and and it did it absolutely cut the the times going from uh, west to east and, and vice versa so really really successful um and it went on all the way to actually i'm going to ask you when do you think it closed down so what was it 1927 i reckon it was going for a good 30 years 2003 it shut down oh wow yeah. <laughs> the final Gosh. bits of it yeah which is actually rather impressive. And the reason, so the reason it did shut down is, is very simply because um, a lot of the sorting stations moved. Um, a lot of them, there's things about two that are in the same place now. Uh, and it was also said that the um, the company who ran it, well, the Royal Mail, said that it was five times more expensive to do that than it was to do it on the roads. Now, of course, it hadn't been originally and the workers down there disputed that. They said actually it was more like three times the amount. And they said that there were things that went into it, that there were decisions being made, which meant that it was more expensive. Um, but nonetheless, in 2003, it was decided it was too expensive and they were going to shut it down. But it has seen a really impressive, very long life and seen a whole variety of things. So World War Two. It was happening as well during during the time that it was open. And in 1943, a section of the one of the, the bits of the rail actually got hit by a bomb oh. uh, in 1943. And the mail rail were very proud of the fact that they were up and running again the very next day. 
classic oh, good, spirits. Good for them. Good they were like, for them. come on, come on, chaps, off we go. So they need their mail. They really do. And so that, yeah, they were just the next day, they're like, ah, come on, we'll get it, get it working. And they did. Wow. There was even an, um, an incident where, now we've spoken about this pesky river, the Fleet River before. Oh, yeah. Very early on. And the Fleet River broke in through one of the walls at one point as well. So it's had its challenges in the past. Um, but now it is completely empty and no trains are, well, I say no trains are running. No mail trains are running anymore. Now, the rail trains themselves are quite small. Um, the The tunnels, they're usually, in most places, they are single single tunnels, single file tunnels. And you go through and, and the tunnels are really quite small. And if you sort of, so when, if you go to the, uh, the mail rail, you can travel in these mail trains as you go through. And when you're sitting in it, there is a glass roof that goes over you, which wouldn't have been there originally, but the tunnel is just outside of that. So you are, you know, a couple of inches away from the tunnel wall. So it's really quite small. Oh, wow. Very impressive. I remember, I'm, you know, I'm visualising your video and it almost looks like, you know, you're in a kind of in a plane and yes. you've got the glass kind of curve yes. over you and you're looking up. Yeah. Um, and it's quite tight in there. Can you fit anyone to the left or right? Or is no, it it's, it's singular... one single person. You have somebody in front and behind and that kind of thing. But no, it's a it's a one person seat. Um, wow. You could probably squish like two toddlers or something in next to each other. But uh, but no, other than that, it is the width of, you know, one person, essentially. Oh. Um, yeah, and I was it... you said it's a bit like a plane. I imagine it a bit like a glider, which I've been in once before and was similar in sort of size. Um, yeah, that, that sort of, you know, tube like effect. Yeah. Mm. And did it go 40 miles per hour when you were on it? No, it went about six miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, this is a very quick experience, but an experience nonetheless. No, it's not, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite that fast, but it could have, it, yeah, when it was working. And when it was working, it would, it would, um, uh, transfer about 4 million pieces of mail per day when it was at its peak in the 1930s. So, yeah, a huge, huge amount of, of mail. Um, so when they closed it down, it became one of the most sort of favoured places for urbexers to go and break in. And do you know what an urbexer is? Oh, is this another one of your words? It, no, it's not another one of my words. Urbexer. Urbexer. So an urbexer is somebody, urbexer. It, it, it's short for urban explorer. And oh. it's people who go and break into um, disused or dilapidated places, things that are closed off, places you can't normally get into, to go and take a look and take some pictures and, you know, record it. And that's what a lot of people were doing, making their way into the six and a half miles of tunnels um, and kind of going, because, you know, it's, it's, it's quite an exciting thing to go and do. And it was decided that rather than leave them empty, they were going to make it into this amazing mail rail with the Postal Museum. So when you go there, and and um, I should say, this is not, you know, we're not supported by them in any way, shape or form. It's just one of my favourite museums. And if if they're listening and they want to sponsor us, I'd be very happy uh, to, to hear their, uh, <laughs> uh, their offer on that. Um, but um, I just absolutely love it because it, it's such a really cool thing to, to be able to go through the tunnels. And when you do this, you can see there's a whole lot of stuff. They do take you into one of these old abandoned uh, stations. So you can kind of see what it was like. And they use really good sort of sound and light projections on the wall to show you the kind of things that were going on. But one of my favourite things in there is the train graveyard. And if trains were you know, um, too old, too decrepit to, to work anymore, or even just at the end when the whole thing um, closed down, they just sidled them off into little um, sidings and just bricked them up and left them there. 
and there's a couple (laughs) there's a couple of little train graveyards you can see as you go um but it's really rather lovely and it was done that the tunnel was cut using exactly the same method as the london underground or the tube which is the the henry greathead shield yeah uh, format which we're not going to go into today but maybe that's a a chat for another day um done exactly the same way on a smaller scale because of course the tunnels are are a lot smaller um and so the same thing when these when the, these cutters, and this is what happens with the tube, I don't know if you know this, but with the tube, when they finish cutting these things, they just turn them sideways into the wall and make them kind of dig their own grave and then leave them there. <laughs> it's really sad. Oh, bloody hell. They did that with the um, the Channel Tunnel as well. <laughs> they just sort of get them to go on an angle, bury themselves in, and that's it. Poor Gosh, thing. see you later. I know. Um, did, so did you stop at every station? No. Oh, no, absolutely not. No, you just, when you, you do a little loop, Okay. Yes, when when the mail rail was working, yes, you would have gone to every station. You would have, but, uh, but on the tour that you did, one station, you do a little loop, and it goes from Mount Pleasant, which is just on the corner of Clerkenwell, um, which is where the Postal Museum is. Um, but there are still tunnels that are still empty that people don't have access to, um, but they are still there. And there was talk about making some of them into an events venue. Um, I've not heard any more about that lately, but that is maybe worth keeping uh, keeping an eye on. So for many years, we heard talk about this wonderful secret little railway underneath London that nobody really, apart from the odd urbex, had ever seen. Um, and so when it came to opening it up, oh, it was so much fun. And one of my favourite things, so you can go um, and do the train and then over the road, they have a really great museum with loads and loads of stories and bits and pieces about uh, the history of mail and all of that. And one of the things they do is they have one of those vacuum, not not the vacuum that we talked about earlier, but the kind of vacuum things that you used to have at banks when you were younger. And you put the little capsule in and you it, it vacuums over to the other side and you can happily spend one person on each end of it telling jokes for hours on end which is rather fun. Um, but it's a really, really good museum. I really recommend it. Um, and that's just a little bit about the mail rail in London, the secret. Gosh, I need to do railway. this. Can, how much was it? I mean, you probably, you went on for free, did you? No, no, I paid. Um, I think it's around £16, I think, from memory. Uh, I need to double check. But yeah, it's, and uh, but if you want to go, you have to book, especially at the minute, you need to book a slot to be on the train because the train can't take many people. So you need to, even in normal times, you could go whenever you wanted, but you had sort of, when you got there, you know, put yourself down for a particular time. So be- very good to book in advance so that you can um, get on a particular train. Um, Gosh, yeah. fantastic. When you're in Mount Pleasant, is it quite obvious where it is? Is there a sign kind of directing you to it and down? Um, there are a few signs then it's not the most obvious um, but as you come up on the west, so if you're coming up to you've got Clerkenwell on the right hand side um, if you're looking at a map and you've got Mount Pleasant in the middle and then it's on the left hand side of Mount Pleasant just as you go up that road there um, so it's 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 fairly okay to find um, if you sort of know vaguely where you're looking yeah Oh, I, I definitely need to do it. Would you be up for doing it again? Oh, Maybe you've done it twice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because nice. I guess you feel like you're, I don't know, almost about to go on a, a roller coaster ride because yeah. you've got this, you know, uh, someone in front of you, someone behind, um, and then off you go. Yeah. It's really, really fun. And actually, the, the tunnels there, um, so I mentioned that, you know, because they're quite low below ground during the Second World War, low, you know how often when we go to the National Gallery and the Tate and we talk about the fact that, um, 
pieces of art were moved and stored in salt mines in Wales and all kinds of things. Yeah. Some of them were stored down here in the tunnels to protect ah, them from the bombing well, raids. Makes sense. Makes as well. Sense. And there's been Hollywood movies that have been um, shot down there. The most famous one is one called Hudson Hawk, which had Bruce Willis in it. Oh, okay. Um, and they, they, it, I think it was the it was sort of acting as the Vatican's own private railway station under the ground, um, which is kind of fun. So they're, they're, they're quite big on that. And it, what's really good, so when you go in there and you go into the station, they have all these amazing sort of, um, yeah, light projections on the wall which show you all about it. It's really, really good. Um, just rather, rather lovely little thing, um, thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, what a wonderful secret hidden gem in yeah, London. Yeah. Love that. And I should say, actually, I, I said six and a half miles across London, which is true, although actually there's 22 miles of track. Okay, so the, miles the of track. distance it's stretched, but, you know, you've got a couple of double tracks and you know, bits and pieces and sidings and stuff. So 22 miles in total, but it, it covers a sort of six and a half mile journey um, across London. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. So nearly, oh. well, about 80 years, almost 80 years of this this fantastic little little rare, you know train just sort of tootling along under our feet but you'd be surprised how miniature the rail actually is now they, they keep talking about this hyperloop that elon musk has um has mooted which is supposedly a uh, some kind of link that he's going to do between i think la and san francisco which is a sort of vacuum thing um which is, is going to make you get from LA to San Francisco really quickly. And so these guys have been have done it like 100 years before him, or 150 years before him in the mid-1800s. The Victorians did this. So Elon Musk is nothing new. Just hilarious. Wow. Well, there you go. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you very much, Alex. That there was absolutely wonderful. A bit about the lovely um, secret, or not so secret anymore, um, mail rail that used to go under London. There we go. And I can't believe that it was still going up until 2003 yeah yeah and one of the things they have in part of the music well actually i think it's in the bit when you come out of the train and use a little bit before you go into the museum they have the lockers of some of the last people to have worked on it so it's as if they put their stuff down on the last day and then left them and then you know the lockers are there with their kit and all sorts and it's been left a little bit like Churchill War Rooms where yeah, it does people feel have a left the, like the papers and pen yeah. for the meeting that never happened absolutely um, wow yeah oh brilliant so there we go gosh thank you very much Alex <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply podcast pedestal so what are you going to go for for your podcast pedestal i think i know actually i i bet do you want to go first you always let me go first you go first okay what do i want to go for i um i think i'm gonna go for the lady in her crinoline Ooh. Oh, that's a great one. In the, in the right, I love that it's a woman as well, <laughs> in her big dress, <laughs> yeah. totally up for it. Just going, come on, let me at it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for the woman in her crinoline. Because I would have loved like, to, the to hear the conversations one. of, you know, who was going to go through and 
You know, yeah. maybe her husband was there and was daring her on, <laughs> hoping she'd get I like, stuck. <laughs> I like the idea that her friends were there going, go on, go on, go you on, can go. do it. <laughs> do you want to take your, your crinoline off? No, no. Just, no, no, just no. keep it on. Absolutely. So oh, I think that's, that's going to be my, my pick. So even though it was the precursor to the actual male rail that we know and love, mm. I just think it's fantastic. Um, and this in the ingenuity of these Victorians, which laid the way um, for the Edwardians to then start on on creating this mail rail wow okay that's a brilliant one what are you going I, for i i'm gonna go for the fact that after it was bombed the very next day they're up and running again because i think it shows the resilience and the the love for the mail yeah. realizing that especially during world war Two, it is important mm. for people to get those letters of um you know hope and uh, you know, they might be, exactly. They might be sent to someone that is really needing some kind of um, support. So, that's funny. I very nearly went for that one. I very nearly went for that one. I think it's a great well, choice. Great, thank you. I think it's going. I think it's <laughs> going to be a tough one this week. Yes, I do. So hopefully, um, people will vote for, <laughs> vote for me. <laughs> You're so wonderfully measured in your. Uh... I think so. <laughs> you don't want the please vote for me. So there we go. Those are your options. It's the uh, the daredevil lady and her crinoline, or it is the uh, the World War Two bomb where they pick themselves up and dust themselves off and open the very next day. I think oh. two good choices for you there. Two very good choices. I'd like to think that there was some kind of um, I don't know image, maybe sketch made of that woman shooting through the tunnel. There is that, uh, and when you go oh. to the museum, they do have a little. Yeah, I don't even think they know necessarily who it is. I can't, I don't even think that her name has gone down in history. If I, remember, I might be wrong about that, but there definitely is a, like a little sketch of, of somebody doing it so they can kind of show you, yeah, her like jumping into the thing, which is just oh, hilarious. Brilliant. Love that. Yeah. And it must have been so nice as well, knowing that you went through it to think, oh my God, this woman whooshed through. I mean, I shouldn't really be talking about it so much because I really want you to choose my option. But, yeah, of course. Um, well, she didn't whoosh through that bit. She whooshed through the, the pneumatic bit, which was elsewhere, but still. So there we go. That's it for this week. Um, what have you got coming up? That the question that you hate me asking because you just keep saying nothing much. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and I'm okay with that. You know, I did actually do a walking tour, a street art tour on the weekend. Yes, you did two hours, whipped around. Yeah, so yeah, not much on. <laughs> Are you doing any other any other walking tours? People can come on. Um, oh, I do have two walking tours for August. <gasps> um, I know it's just Rotherhive. So if anyone wants me to take them around Rotherhive, um, I've got one on Sunday, the 15th of August at 11am. And then one the following Sunday, which is the 22nd of August, um, 15 pounds per person. And they can book on my website, guidemily.com or at the londontourgroup.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. And you... Well, I have nothing this weekend because I am birthdaying at uh, at my folks. But the following weekend, um, I have four public walks in the diary. I have um, a Westminster. Well, no, actually, it's um, it's London of the Silver Screen. So it's movie locations in and around London, which is one of my faves. That's going to be around Westminster. Um, nice. I've also got a blood and guts and body snatching in Smithfield, which is on the 4th of July in the afternoon. And then I'm running two walks for London Walks, which is street art and my black Londoners. So if anybody wants to come on any of those. And then um, dates are up now. So dates are up for all the way through August. We've got some women of Westminster, some harlots. We've got some street art, um, all sorts of stuff. So uh, plenty there to come and join in. Yay!
The Wheel of Destiny. So, it's time for your favourite bit. Time for the wheel. Yeah. Um, so, there are a few things that I would like to talk about. So, there are a few things on my list in terms of events because I feel like I've chosen quite a few people recently. Okay. Uh, so, hopefully, the wheel will land where I want it to. But, yes. as always, let's go with the flow. Yeah. Carmen's going to help me. With she is. She's, she's totally awake now. Ready loving to it. Roll. Loving it. Ready for the wheel. Um, okay, off we go. Carmen, we go. go, go, go. <laughs> loving it. Good spinning, Carmen. Well done. Yeah, well done, Carmen. Oh, my God. Okay, people are actually going to think that this is um, not real because we keep on landing in the same place over and over. Oh, we are in John Clark and well again. We are. We are in Clark Fixing this, Emily. Again. I can't see the wheel. I'm sure you fixed it. <laughs> Although, um, I don't think we've been in Clark and well before this session. So. No, I don't. I think you're right. I don't think we have. Well, anyway. Um, but that's fine because as you said, there's so much to talk about because you've got the, the well itself. Fascinating. Um, You've got the church there, St. James's Church, which is yeah. really beautiful, got quite a rich history. All the different things. Words. Yeah. Um, but you I want think an event, I'm don't going you? to, yeah. And do you know about the Clerkenwell explosion? I do not. Okay. Oh, we're going goth. There. goth it's a guide. little, it's a little bit goth, guys. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gone to the dark side for a while. <laughs> no, um, I mean, it was Beatrix Potter last week, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Um, so yes, the Clerkenwell explosion is all about um, a, a prison that used to be, be in the area, oh. uh, known as the House of Detention. So um, yes, I'm going to tell you all about this explosion. Oh, exciting! All right. <laughs> Bang, bang. Boom, blood, boom. Blood and guts and gore again. Fantastic. Yeah. We haven't had that for a while. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, we'll look forward to that for next week. Thank you so much, Emily and Carmen. Thank you for no your, your sterling work in uh, in spinning the wheel and, uh, and and screaming through most of our recording. Uh, <laughs> She's all right. She's drunk on milk now. It'll be, it'll be a delight to edit. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for... Um sticking with it guys <laughs> yep and we'll see you next week uh for all sorts of explosive fun hey beautiful well happy birthday as well alex thanks <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right take care everyone we'll see you next week bye, bye guys, guys.